0: Welcome to The Grant, the EU funding podcast. The Grand My name is Nils Torrewinter and I am the creator, editor and host of The Grand. The grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. I slowly build up information and content on different funding schemes. I started out with Horizon Europe Pillar 2 and have moved into European Defence Fund, the ERC and the Erasmus Plus programs. More is to come, even. The next two weeks I will be looking into proposal preparation within the Erasmus Plus funding scheme. As regular listeners will know, I have developed a timeline series that goes through the proposal preparation process step by step. That is for Horizon Europe Pillar 2 proposals, but has a lot of generic elements that also apply to funding schemes in general. However, there are important specificities for each funding scheme and how to prepare the proposals for each of them. To provide guidance on how to prepare a proposal for the Erasmus Plus program, I have invited three strong capacities on Erasmus Plus into the virtual podcast studio Diana Huber, Chief Operations Officer, at CPIP, Christina Achilleus, founder and EU funding expert from Enosphere, and Ulla Alexander Madl, director and consultant from Bureaucom. I have all years of practical experience developing proposals for the Erasmus Plus program. In the first half of this double episode released last week, we focused on the preparation process for the writing phase. In this second half, the three panelists take the bull by horns and share how they put their pen to paper. They give their recommendations on how to attack the different sections, and the budget of course. And in the end, we shortly touch on the actual submission itself. This is a must-listen for all the Rasmus Plus proposal developers, no matter the experience. Please enjoy. The grand. Uh, for the sake of timing, we should move on to the actual writing. So pen to paper, because um, we will need to run through the different sections of what will meet people when they sit down and start to write these things, right? We already talked about delegating, writing. How much do you prefer to do yourself? Maybe we just attack the sections. Yeah. So what? So what sections do you have in the typical Erasmus Plus proposal? Who wants to 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 share that with the dear listeners, Diana?
1: Okay. Um, I was about to share what I start with, but in general, we have uh, explanation of the topic. We have Uh, Concordance or alignment with the priorities, we have an explanation of the target group if it's a special needs target group or what kind of learners are we engaging with, then we have description of the partners, then we have uh, the aim and the objectives then we have the discussion about how innovative it is why you needed to do it in a european partnership what is the european partnership bringing as an added value opposite of you doing it only at national level it says uh, if it has been done before in other initiatives or not things like that and then uh, you go to the, the form goes automatically and describes the, the partners And then you have the, uh, how are they called? Outputs, I think they're called. Because they keep changing. Work packages. Ah, now we have the work packages. Okay. Now it's
0: work packages now.
1: (laughs) Yes, now it is work packages. It has been results, it has been outputs. So obviously we are not very aligned with our terminology, but we go with the flow. So it's work package and then you have the possibility to explain the philosophy of the work package, then to explain the practicality, bullet line who does what and why. And then to explain if you translate it or not, if it's printed or electronic or whatever, the result and who is engaged to uh, allocate the partners so that then they are automatically allocated in the budget. Mm -hmm. Once you've done uh, this with the work packages, then you have the multiplier event. If you want to have multiplier events, it's like a dissemination workshop or something like that. Then you have the uh, learning uh, experience, learning, however they're called, where you you organize uh, specific learning activities where people get to go abroad or not, uh, things like that. Uh, there is also the section with the management where you explain how you manage the project uh, and uh, if you have transnational meetings. Then there is the uh, a, ses- a section with the impact, the sustainability, the dissemination part. That's in general the the outline. And uh, sometimes my my head gets a bit blurry between the centralized and the decentralized ones, because mm-hmm. even if theoretically some are under the same DG, uh, words mean different things in different forms. They're not unified.
0: You see, and this is of course, take the last thing first. That's something we cannot do anything about, but we can complain about it, <laughs> we can say that it's not, and that it's not, it's not very. Um, just use the. I, I am a, I'm a big defender of standardization. For Christ's sake, standardize things so people can understand across, so they don't get confused when they approach the 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 the, the taxpayers' money from your funding. You know, but this is uh, this is political. Uh, it's uh, internal policy, political fights and strides and whatever in the commission things we don't even know anything about. Um, so that's yeah, that's that, um, and yes. You have a, a good, nice uh, list of things there you need to fill in. Now, you said, I would have liked to start with how I start, Diana. So, so now I, I, I put you on the spot with, with telling us uh, what, the, what the sections are. So you can, uh, you can now share with us how you are approaching this to start with. <laughs> uh,
1: I think uh, a good way or a way that buys you time for the creative side, because not all creative, they are technical, They are dependable and they are creative. So there are three things. The creative, I need time. I need inspiration. The divine light needs to hit my head. Otherwise, it (laughs) doesn't happen anything. And that happens on the last 24 hours. So I cannot kill other people waiting for me. I start with the things that are the dependables. My manager needs a list of activities from my hand in such a way that are logic that she can create the budget i don't do the budgets i have someone else that does the budgets uh, our financial expert which is the manager of the organization so that one goes out first because partners need to vet it to see if i'm not really writing science fiction to check if that is plausible for them if that is reachable if they have any comments, I need time, even if it is two days for feedback. But I need those two days to get feedback. Then my manager needs at least three days to put together the budget. Even if there is this whole marketing idea that we work on lump sums and you just put some numbers there and they will magically create your budget. No, it is like a hailstorm behind to create a detailed Excel with all sorts of science fiction things there. I, that I honestly don't get how she manages to do it. And mm-hmm. then we need real figures, salaries, how much it costs that and that. So I need to give her a list of activities so that she does her thing, partners do their thing, and then I buy time to do the creatives. Because uh-huh. the creative is the only little fragment where no one can replace me, because mm-hmm. it's there the
0: philosophy.
1: In the okay, technical this... part, I can be replaced.
0: So this is where I, um, the creative part of writing a proposal—that's that can be tricky if you don't have that poet in your heart, right? Uh, if you're a PhD, you know, if a PhD in a subject, if you are very knowledgeable about. Uh, Whatever you're doing, that doesn't make you a, a, a born writer. Yeah, it's that's just how it is. So, this is what many consultants struggle with. No matter that they win uh, and are thriving as a, as a consultant, the writing and creativity part is it, an issue. And the way I have worked with this is that I've worked in pairs uh so to be so it's often it often helps to be inspired when you talk to other people uh, about it so internally in the organization i would work two and two uh to have one two uh, and that was i was not writing the part few times i did and uh, sometimes i did myself it, it was horrible but when when i was not writing it was a help i was a help for the uh, for the one who did write, that we could share and exchange once in a while, uh, also with key partners, for instance, maybe take a short meeting on discussing on hey, how do we angle this in the you know like the creative shaping the actual idea to make it wow? How on earth did they think that up? Why have we not done this yet, Christina? How do you work with this this? Uh, a uh, fluish thing that uh, Diana's has just put <laughs> shed light on. How do you work with it?
2: Okay, so I can honestly confirm that I am also very much into analyzing the creative parts of the of the proposals, uh, especially uh, for these two calls for the cooperation partnerships and alliances for innovation. It's really something uh, a process that I I enjoy. Okay. Uh, Being also very organized, because I also have a very uh, rational, let's say, point of view of myself. I'm also really good in in explaining all the methodology and all the administration, let's say, burden of the proposal. Although I don't like it, I'm honest. I mean, I really prefer to write sections like aligning aligning the priorities, what's the gap, what's the the challenge, what's the innovation of the project, the impact. I love the impact. Uh, But still, okay, someone has to also write the the nasty parts, let's say, which I I, um, definitely uh, call the, you know, management and quality assurance and the budget, (laughs) which is definitely not my favorite story. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yes, okay. So um, for the budget especially, um, I usually ask for, uh, depending on, I mean, on the call, uh, or you know, um, daily rates of of the partners, so to be as realistic as possible. and always try to budget the tasks under the work package, let's say, uh, activities in a very pragmatic way, realistic way again, so that the evaluator can see that, okay, these guys really know what they are talking about. If you're like putting up figures out of nowhere, doesn't add up, you know, to the to the presentation of the overall uh, pro- project or proposal. Let's say um, so. Yes, niels to answer your your or your question, I write all the parts. I love the creative parts. I don't like the administration <laughs> ones, but <laughs> I
3: do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, are you a poet?
3: Uh, for me, <laughs> it's like a piece of art. It's like, a, oh, as we say, but not with uh, your
0: hands, the sculpture.
3: <laughs> I'm, not write, no, I'm, not, I'm not writing. No, I'm not. I'm not writing that many proposals. So, for me, it's like a, a real sort of a piece of perfection, almost. Like uh, I, I, I enjoy it, but I, I well, it's it, uh, it it comes together from all sides somehow, like a painting, and uh, and I review it many times. I think uh, what what happens, what I see a lot is that the questions are not answered. Uh, like you have to really answer exactly the question. I mean, sometimes uh, you, you kind of know if you, if you, I mean, the very simple thing is read the question. Uh, sometimes the answers I read when I evaluate, they don't correspond to what's in the question. Um, or not exactly, somehow, kind of, but not really. Uh, And you can already, yeah, it's like an art also to say, okay, how can I make this, answer this question perfectly? Um, And it's, uh, and and, yeah, I take the time to do that. I take the time to do that. um, And I think that has helped. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, What else?
0: do you use anyone else to to yourself, or do you trust your your own evaluator, uh, <laughs> capacities? Well, I, I'm a bit
3: of a perfectionist, so I review myself uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> I, excellent. But I, since I collaborate a lot on proposals, uh, yes, we review we review, review each other, um, and so that obviously helps. And then you comment. Uh, in I mean, I always work on Google Docs. And then people comment in the document, and you review it, and you answer, and and so it's like a working document until the very end with the people you work with, um, and uh, and yeah, uh, and also internally you distribute the work and and you review a section and and so on. Uh, but I start at the beginning and I finish at the end. Uh, I don't <laughs> start with the end. I mean, some people start with the last I really start the first. Uh, Right at the beginning and I finish at the very end. I mean that's how I do it. And the very last thing is the budget. For me, it's interesting what you said, Diana. I do the budget at the very end.
0: Um, but this is actually so. This is interesting. Here we are at a core thing here right? because everybody knows. Everybody who's been writing a proposal uh, knows that the budget is the real heart of the proposal. This is this is this is where this is where people get angry. This is where people really. Uh, this is where everything. Th- that's what everything com- comes down to in the end. So, what are the efforts? Yeah, and 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 if that's not calibrated right, <laughs> then then you have the then you have all the fights. I've been uh, having lots of episodes on this <laughs> in this podcast, digging into what it actually is to put together a budget. It's if and I I would say. So I understand what you do, because this is also what I have been doing sometimes when I prepare preparing proposals from start to end. But sometimes I would have wished I would have started with the budget earlier. So what I tried to do, the last couple of proposals I prepared, hopefully the last in my life, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I took out, I asked partners uh, three months before submission, what's your budget expectation? So I made a shadow budget. So, so I wouldn't get any surprises later on uh, when we had to discuss in the end about the budget, right? So it's, um, but I, I I understand the approach. But But uh, it's,
3: it, um, it it has to do with experience. If you are not that experienced, you need to do the budget earlier because you need to. You maybe not as good as at assessing how much time and money you can allocate to each of the activities. But when you, you you are used to the structure of a project, and there are not a million different ways of structuring an Erasmus project, uh, it's always kind of the same system, more or less, uh, then you, 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 already, you already know how, how to structure it. And also when you have an idea where the partners are based, um, in terms of how much budget they will need, because depending on where they are, they get more or less budget. Uh, there are these things when you have a, quite a lot of experience, uh, you you can jug, you you understand how to build the project, and you can do the pro- budget at the end. But I agree that if you if you don't have a lot of experience, it makes sense to to do the budget budget maybe in parallel to developing the activities to have an understanding how you can dis- distribute it best.
0: Uh, thanks. But the thing is, I'm not a good proposal preparer. <laughs> so, <laughs> well spotted. And uh, <laughs> but there is also a huge difference, as I can very well now uh, deduct between Erasmus and huge Horizon Europe proposals that I've been that dealing with. That's a fun fundamentally, a big difference in in uh, in some of these elements. It's uh, yeah. Uh, let me see here um, Now I sort of had the idea that we would uh, go through the the, the the proposal section by section but I don't know if that makes sense. What would you highlight from the proposal process when you when you run through so you uh, Diana you b- beautifully went through all the categories. but what would you highlight in a, in, a, in an episode like this if you need to explain people, which sections are key? Yeah, Ula. Uh,
3: I I think there is something else that is really important, and that's the, the to look at the, for example, the national priorities. For example, each country has national priorities, so yeah. uh, th- that is something that needs to be taken into account. Uh, and uh, there are there are a few things like before you actually get to the the writing. Um, and uh, also the consideration of where the project is submitted, because the different agencies have different uh, requirements of uh, of a successful proposal. Like for example, they want more than one partner from this specific country to fund the project in a different in a certain sector, or their focus is really on. Uh, on something rather specific or they give more money to projects in this uh, sector than in another sector. So there are these sort of things that are, you can write the most amazing proposal, but if there is no money available for the kind of idea you're developing, then it's a bit of a lost uh, game. Uh, And one other aspect I think is essential is, uh, especially in some countries, uh, to organize meetings with the agency. Uh, and discuss the proposal, for them to review the proposal. Uh, And in some countries, uh, it's almost uh, like an entry ticket to get funded. Um, If you take their uh, um, suggestions on board, uh, you implement them in your proposal, uh, you you implement the feedback of the agency, your chances are a lot, uh, increase a lot. So there are these things to know also. Uh, Which have to be integrated into the writing process, which means, like, at a certain stage of your writing, uh, you, for example, meet with the agency and you get this feedback before you finalize your writing. So, I I think there, yeah, there is this also, I think we should uh, keep in mind.
0: Uh, uh, Christine and Diana, is this something that you do? You recognize this?
1: Yes, absolutely. This is one of the trade of our professions to know the landscape and to be aware that you write an application, but not always you are submitting that application. I might be writing an application, but I find it best to suit the priorities in Slovenia. Then I'm going to ask the Slovenian partner to be the applicant. Because it has the correct characteristics and there are more winning slots there. And this is another signpost, which is a horrible thing for our industry that doesn't get discussed. And I hate that we are not having the hard talks. Uh, There are projects that are uh, not funded and they have in evaluation 80 points in one national agency. And in another national agency, a project that has 70 points gets funded. And that is an issue, an issue of the DGs and how they coordinate with the national agency. But more than that, there is the issue of the evaluator. And there are a lot of colleagues that signal this. There are not enough evaluators specialized that went through project implementation that understand how things work, that understand European priorities. That Because if you are also writing, also evaluating, not a lot of our colleagues can do this switch and for sure not in the same country. You definitely shoot yourself in the leg, at least for that financial exercise, if if you do that. Uh, It is a complicated and a fine line to walk. And then we look who are our evaluators and how much money is in the national agency for subcontracting good quality evaluators. This is something that needs to be discussed on a bigger picture and by the seniors of our industry and to have a talk also with the people that uh, that manage the funds because this is not going on an okay route. But other than that, yes, be aware that you might need to apply elsewhere in other countries for other national agencies that has other priorities and be aware that the copyright of the application form belongs to the applicant. No mm-hmm. one cares who wrote it
0: and basically, what you're saying is that it uh, that it it you would prefer a system with a, a centralized evaluation yes. yes which and and i I,
1: I can find another two hundred colleagues, senior colleagues of our industry that would vote yes for that
0: now I have absolutely because I don't know enough about the political background for why they have done this. Uh, But of course, I can imagine that this is a member state thing. This is something that has been where the member state has been pushing for because it's educational policy. Maybe there's something about educating kids, stuff like this, that some countries might have a big issue with should be centralized to the commission and so on. But if they can centralize the research and development core things to develop a society, I don't see why on earth there should be an issue to uh, centralize trainings and education
3: it's it's a subsidiarity of educational policy it's um it's not a european competence as such officially so that's the partially the uh, reason i think
1: and this is why each national agency has a percentage of adaptability to create specific projects that are in tune with local priorities. For example, investing in rural organization or promoting organizations that are newcomers or promoting organizations that deal with a specific target group. From uh, call to call, these little tweaks change and also the... Budgetary distribution is different from national agency to national agency. Some invest more in schools. For example, in Romania, if you want to apply for schools, you have much more generous budget than for adult education because we don't want to acknowledge that in Romania adult education is underground and in the graveyard. So then we we forget about that and we put money in into schools. So from national agency to national agency, there is a degree of, of variety.
0: Mm-hmm. I need to get us a little bit back on track in relation to uh, the pen-to-paper part. I know this is important. It's good. I have it brought it up. Thanks, Uli. Um, but what I would need to, just for the listeners to have just a little bit of guidance So what I did in my uh, Horizon Europe Pillar 2 uh, timeline series when I walked through how to prepare a proposal, I first went through what does it say in the template and how do you attack that. We don't have the time to go through all this uh, in this episode and I didn't want it to be like this. That's why you're all three here. That took me six episodes to uh, to, uh to, to do that in, in, the, in the other part. But at least how detailed are the template on what you need to uh, describe? Because in the Horizon template, it's fairly detailed on what the, they want. You know? So how is it here with the impact, with the, with the project idea and so on? Is it, uh, is it just describe the idea or how, how detailed is the, uh, what you have to write up against? Uh, Castina, maybe you would take this. Okay, so
2: speaking about uh, the cooperation partnerships uh, call, um, through the new programming period, we have seen, uh, okay, a revamped, let's say, template not uh, completely different than what it used to be in the past, but we had definitely the introduction of work packages. In the past, it used to be intellectual outputs, then it was result outputs, and then it, you know, uh, ended up to to being work packages. Uh, And what um, they have done, actually, in reality, they have created a more compact, let's say, template, uh, and each, let's say, um, section with subsections is fairly shorter than it used to be in the past. So now you have a minimum of 2,000 characters, maximum 4,000 characters to explain uh, what you need to explain according to each section. Also, uh, for example, the subsections under impact don't have the same length as the, let's say, uh, length that you have um, uh, as a space allowed under uh, explaining your objectives. So you might have 2,000 characters to explain the project objectives, but you have 4,000 characters to explain what is the project impact. Mm-hmm. But definitely, uh, you don't you know, have a lot of allowed space anymore. So you really have to be very, very uh, practical in how you represent the entire project and distribute it in the various sections. Mm-hmm. You need to be you know, very efficient and effective. Organized and still manage to provide the overall value of each section. It's challenging. I will not say it's it's easy. Uh, but still, it's a more, let's say compact way of representing a project.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we are breaching a little bit into submission now because I know it's, uh, it's, it's an online system you have huh? for most proposals you have to make. for, for so, uh, cooperation
2: uh, partnerships, yes, for. For alliances for innovation, no, we have a word file template that you need to complete with various various sections. I would say that not not entirely, but similar to other Horizon calls, but with very very different, let's say, peculiarities and specificities. Okay, the scope of the uh, program it's different.
0: Just going to pause it here. I have a message to the Commission. Could you please standardize these things? so um thanks Christina what I would like because you all mentioned impact as important as both when you're writing but also when you look beyond so what's going to happen how do you uh work with the impact section because you this is you you all highlighted it so i guess as experienced ones that you are all three of you what do you do with it have you have you made a, a specific way of of making that solid or Diana?
1: For me, it's like again, how the inspiration strikes because the impact okay, in my in my head comes after I managed, okay, uh, cut and squeezed into 4000 characters, which is horrible because I don't get the flow of writing, but um I do it after I've laid out the whys and the how and why do I believe that we really need this. And Mm -hmm. then I think, okay, I've got it. I've done it. I've done it with these people. What happens next? What do I need to set in place to trace during the implementation? What happens after the implementation? What happens What is it going to change? Am I changing someone's life? Mm -hmm. Is a profession getting better? Are people going to get more access to learning opportunities? Are professionals going to be better equipped to solve something? Is this of real impact beyond the clickbait terminology of the public policy? Because... Uh, As both both our colleagues said, we work in the background of the social and systemic impact, and we work in the investment of public funding. Mm -hmm. So in what am I going to invest? Is a child going to go happier to a least aggressive school? Mm -hmm. Then that's my impact. Is a family going to have more opportunities for uh, starting up a new business? And that kind of thing. It is not the impact on my organization because the funding is not for us. Mm -hmm. The funding is for the people that we are bringing on the European stage. And that is how I see and how I try to put in writing the, the impact.
0: Uh, um, in our uh, recording on the introduction, <clears throat> you flagged, and you also flagged it earlier uh, today, the sustainability of things after the, pro- the project stop, and the fact that many organizations historically anyways have been following the same money, basically funding their uh, the office desk uh, year after year with more or less the same kind of money with the same kind of things they do now when you write uh, yourself Erasmus proposes, how do you how do you attack this element of sustainability of things moving on afterwards how do you deal with that
3: um how do I deal with this um first of all uh during the writing process i mean it's all interlinked i mean we now even have a handbook that has been delivered about how we should structure the proposals uh in the new program so it's really uh you you have uh, the impact kind of ultimately equals the objectives so you 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 have your objectives uh, based on the objectives you define the activities uh, the results of uh, uh, that you achieve uh, they are linked to closely linked to activities, but they also inform the impact. Um, so everything has to be linked, uh, and so when you define your objectives, you're kind of already defining the impact you want to have uh, at the end that you are going to describe. At least that's how 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 I see it, like roughly. Um, What I'm trying to do now is because, as you said, uh, uh, I am getting quite upset about this idea of sustainability is not, in many cases, you know, it's, let's be frank, the project finishes and it's all over. Uh, (laughs) Apart from, as you said, the hardliners who are passionate and that's the thing they want to do and they will stay and they will uh, feed the website for another 10 years until they're retired or I don't know. But yes, this happens. But it's... uh, doesn't happen very often. Um, no. So w- what do I do? Uh, I'm trying to think of innovative ways of keeping it going. Uh, for me, uh, I, I write things that are very closely linked to also what our, my own company wants to achieve, like our strategic uh, ideas and vision. Uh, and then I try to find partners who have a similar vision Uh, So, for example, uh, I wrote a project uh, two years ago or a year now, I don't know when, it was not this year, but the year before that was funded. Um, And where at the end, uh, the plan is to create an incubator. And the idea of this incubator is uh, that we will continue uh, working with this incubator. So we will set it up and then we will use it for other things that we're doing. And... uh, and so it's something that has a life after the project. So it stays. And it's something that we're going to completely integrate into our activities. So I, I only, that's also why I don't write 15 projects uh, a year. I want something that works and that has, uh, th- there is something afterwards. There is a life, there is a purpose, and it fits into our organizational plan also. And in the plan of the partners.
0: Okay, thanks. Christina?
2: So, for me, one of the most, let's say, um, magical things that we can do through Erasmus is building upon existing training methodologies or even suggesting some new frameworks of training and developing people. And we get this unique opportunity to pilot test some novel, let's say, methodologies that are building our own existing frameworks. So, if we manage in this very short amount of time, Definitely two or three years uh, project life is not enough to to prove things, but it's a very, very good opportunity, yes, to pilot test things. So I really appreciate this uh, aspect of you funded programs and especially Erasmus. So what I would like to, you know, highlight in terms of sustainability is that, um, so, you know, my my aspiration is how I can, uh, through my company now, work on uh, this element of mixing existing and new training methodologies and how we can deliver or design new uh, projects to be funded uh, after one project is successfully completed and we have data about it right from both national and european uh, level and at the same time utilize Uh, curricula that are being developed through the application implementation of these uh, approved projects and uh, transform them into more dynamic and complete tool sets for developing skills both on a national and European level beyond the scope of European uh, funded programs. So this is how I uh, definitely approach the issue of sustainability and it's definitely not about maintaining a website alive for three years after a project is completed a standard you know, promise that we all include uh, in our uh, proposals or let's say keeping the social media channels live and in line with the target groups, etc. So we really need to again, take a step back and uh, assess what we have in front of us and continue creating opportunities.
0: I think this is, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, because this is one of the most difficult questions of all. This is a problem that goes back to the beginning of the EU when they started funding things, and that the re- sustainability of results, and it's... Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, a little, it's, real uh, challenge, real challenge. I, they they all, always say uh, that the majority of projects, once their funding is completed, they get stuck in the, in the uh, drawers. So you don't really utilize them whatsoever after that, and it's a, you know a, a real challenge. Yeah,
0: I just wanted uh, your your view on it because it's uh, something that everybody struggles with in all programs where you're you know, what yeah. happens afterwards?
2: Yeah, I think I, um, I answered.
0: No, nah, I think uh, time is flying, but I would like to have a touch upon the submission <clears throat> because. And not, not maybe so much the submission because that is what it is, uh, but more the system <laughs> uh, for people to get a uh, sort of reality check uh, on what they will what will meet them when they do this. So I have tried myself to submit for life plus for life program. And it is a similar system with boxes, with character limits and so on and so forth. And I find it absolutely horrible uh, to work with uh, as a consultant, as a proposal writer, because you have always a word document you work with, uh, and then you need to put things in. And that's not a problem if you only have to do it once, but that's not how things work, right? So you start filling in the 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 data in the in the online format uh, sort of you're like a week before something like this uh, that was what I did at least and then comes the changes and then you need to realize oh which oh my goodness where, where did I change that box or you know so you had to go through no how do you work with this Diana
1: yes the platform crashes it's overused the deadline gets extended uh, one day before because there's an alarming rate of people signaling they are not able to upload. You enter the PIC number of a partner and all of a sudden you get another different organization popping in your application form. And yeah, things are of that nature. So resilience is key. Um, I don't know how many colleagues respect that uh, idea of uh, please submit your applications in time before the deadline. I'm not sure if there are a lot of us who are able to work like that. Um, We usually work with a Word document backup from which we put in in the online form because once you've inserted and magically disappears for the 10th time, you are not (laughs) able to reproduce the same narrative all over again. That's that's just insane. And um, the whole online system for us that this is our daily business, it's not a problem. You can throw any platform at me. I will make it work because this is what I do daily. But Erasmus is not necessarily for people that do it it on a, a daily basis. And because I'm mentoring a lot of correctional officers how to write Erasmus for their specific prisons, when I started to explain, only then I realized how complicated it is. Uh, uh, From the PIC number, OID number, uh, LEAR, legal uh, legal, uh, entity, then you need to allocate. Oh, but I allocated, I don't have the right. Now you have to uh, make the right to uh, modify data. Who signs? Who pushes the button? Uh, Agency sees what? Do they track my IP? Do I know if it's from this country or that country? So it's an insane level of things. And if you do the switch between the two platforms, which is SEDI platform that goes for the centralized ones, and they operate on a PIC number basis. And you also work with the Erasmus Solidarity Corps platform, which is for the decentralized, and they work on an oid base. It's insane because I have partners that have OID and they have no idea how to get PIC and to go between the two platforms and to allocate roles and things like that. So it's a bit of a science fiction thingy. So this marketing bullshit that it's democratic for all free money, come and get it. Really, guys? I mean, how low is that one? You cannot do it straight from the street. It just
0: doesn't work like that. I just 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 a little break, dear Commission. Can you please uh, standardize this? Cool. Um, <laughs> um, no, but because these platforms, they uh, I, I I have a very strong opinion about it myself. Uh, I like the way Horizon Europe has been done. You cannot get around the PIC number, Diana. That's just how it is. You need to have some sort of system with that. But what I have a big objection about is these. Things where you are locked, and you know everybody knows how these people that have made these systems they know exactly how you will work when you make a proposal. You write it in a document. So why can they manage in the huge horizon Europe? Why can they manage to get a PDF document in? Why do life? Why do Erasmus? Why do they have to insist that they can only work with an online model? Receiving things like this, it 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 makes me I I get my get so angry. I, the people who invented this should be forced. They should literally be forced to submit five proposals in a row in their own system and see how it works. That's out. Ula?
3: Uh, yes i mean i have the same question because it used to be like that uh we used to submit pdfs uh, where we just ah. it. we just uh filled in the pdf and then we had the little button sent and it went off uh mm-hmm. that was it. and that but that was uh i'm not sure that was was it so... in lifelong learning program yes. in Leonardo and yeah. yes yes so we had it like that i, I thought yeah. that was quite good the only problem yeah. was you couldn't have two people working on the document at the same time. That wasn't possible. But that's all. I mean, that could probably be arranged also in some kind of technical way to have it more accessible for. But um, but yeah, I agree. I agree. Um... Uh, Christine?
2: Well, the platform, I don't know, really, guys, needs needs to to change. I mean, they have created this platform for um, uh, ease of the applicant and it's really not the case. I mean, we really need to emphasize that this platform is not working. And really you cannot have, like Diana said, you cannot have an official submission deadline and you are extending it. Why? Because the the platform is crashing. (laughs) I mean, it was a really weird story during the the March deadline this year. Uh, And I remember uh, we got uh, uh, stuck with my colleague in in Stockholm And we were like hitting our our heads on the wall, always saying, why don't they allow us to prepare like a PDF, Word PDF file and just upload (laughs) it? And that's it. (laughs) Why do we need to go from one box to the other box to the other box? I mean, come on, literally.
0: That's what I mean. They should try. They should do it themselves. Do it. Go and go and submit a complex uh, report to your manager and your commission. D- uh, go and do it within boxes where you have to fit it in. Where your assessment group, you know, you do it yourselves. These people, they have not done it themselves. It's for sure. They never. They have. They have. You I know You know why they have done it like this? Because it's easier for the commission. For some reason, in that department, it's easier for them to get it in like this. And you will never I will never get anyone on the show from the commission who's prepared to put themselves in the in the firing line uh of this issue. Uh, it's never going to happen. I've asked it publicly in to them at a live uh, information day uh in the Charlemagne building. Uh, and everybody, it was like a gasp, a gasp, gasp went through the whole audience. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody dares to ask these questions. Uh, but the, the only thing they could say was, "Yes, we are aware of," and blah blah blah, and da, 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 But nothing changes.
2: What yeah. I would like to to add to this process, however, is a key for the for the future applicants that want to apply for cooperation partnerships. Just fix the administration side of of your proposal early on. So, have your partners collect their uh, profile information. Uh, upload the information on the system, release the mandates, send them for signatures, and have have them ready. I would say one month before the submission deadline, so your head yeah. is at ease that I have done the administration, um, you know, uh, obligations of this uh, of this uh, project, and now I can focus on the real real work. You understand? I so I think I this is a key, let's say, uh, advice for future applicants.
3: Sorry, Diana, sorry. No, I
2: just uh, just wanted to say yes, right,
1: fix that in advance, make sure everyone has their PIC number, don't trust anyone until you see the number and you validate it and it spits out what it's supposed to do. (laughs) Um, What I wanted to say that for us, after a while, As senior developers, it would be very helpful and it is public money. We are supposed to have this information. I want to see when I put a PIC number, I want to see all the public funding that that PIC number received. Why is that such a mystery? I want to see all the bloody projects that partner was involved in, not on Erasmus only, because this is cross platforms i need to see who am i putting because at one point we are writing public policy projects we are writing things that lead a bit in an innovative way certain things in education or put certain accents in the philosophy of what we are doing i need to backtrack my partners across the section i want to be able to argue an idea saying that for the past 10 years public funding has been invested in five countries to support this idea because I have your data and the results show A, B, and C. Why am I not allowed to see this? Because it's public money and I'm a citizen that contributes to that public money? And That is one of the philosophical and fundamental problems in our profession because it's a bit gray area of where actually money goes.
0: Uh, Germans would probably say (laughs) GDPC. The
1: second that you accept to be on the platform with a PIC number, has anyone read the disclaimers, what we are all agreeing with? Because all our data are to be made public related to the funding, not with the application. God forbid, that's like the sacred saint of all. The application forms are not public domain and uh, the applicant has the copyright for them. So as a caveat, if anyone on this planet is trying to sell grant development software that has been trained on one application is either lying or committing felony. Just just to get the air clear, because I'm up to here, colleagues promoting this thing, application forms with whatever is written in there are under copyright protection. You cannot make them available willy-nilly all over the place without the approval of the applicant, but yeah.
0: Uh, thanks. Uh, Diane, I think um we are actually we've actually finished. As finished as finished as you can get with this topic. Now, before we move into the toughest challenge, uh, that you all know the drill. Is there anything else you wanna add?
3: I think for submission, maybe it's worth for somebody who wants to apply to understand. Uh, you have two ways. One is you are the coordinator and you submit or you get the credentials or login details from the coordinator and you submit using their profile. Or uh, you can do it as a, as a non-applicant uh, by going to the Solidarity Corps uh, website where you can uh, enter the pick number of the coordinator or applicants and you can write the proposal as a non-applicant. I think that's an interesting thing maybe for people to understand.
0: It's a classic for, for consultants writing for someone that they need to deal with this. So thanks for that. The toughest challenge. What did I put? What's the toughest challenge developing in Rasmus Plus proposal? The online system. <laughs>
1: If I may say something that is dear to my heart and also very heavy, uh, know your science. Know your science, don't write crappy things just because they sound nice. Please, if you write on schools, please read the fundamentals, read what is a curricula, read about teacher training, Don't presume that just because everyone gets to have an opinion on education, this is not a proper science. I promise pedagogy, educational science and sciences of learning are pure like mathematics, like physics. Like We have proprietary terms. We have hierarchy of knowledge. We have scientists. We have like... Huge pillars and moguls in 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 leading this research, and at least read the fundamentals, and don't confuse a skill with an attitude with a competence. Know your wording, because whatever gets done, and it's done like uh, over the knees, you know, putting words left and right, you are discrediting a profession. And that's not cool. And really, that's not cool. It's like me trying to have a negotiation that Pythagora is not really Pythagora and it applies only in Greece because he was Greek and so on and done with it. Educational sciences are a science. Please read before writing the application form. That That's my my personal
0: little pain. Yeah, uh,
3: Um... I think I would say something like uh, a proposal is like making a good cocktail. You need a lot of ingredients, but you need to have the right uh, measure of each one of them. And I think you have to take them all seriously. Um, You need to have the right partners. You need to have the right amount of time. Uh, You need to be organized. Um, You need to have something that makes sense. Uh, you need something that has impact. Uh, you need something uh, that partners are going to be committed to. Um, so there are, uh, there, it's almost a checklist. Uh, you need to have all the ingredients, and then you need to make sure that you have the right mix of these ingredients. Um, I think that's a challenging thing because you never know. Uh, every project is different, every topic, every partnership. It's always a new journey. It's not like we have done it a hundred times that it can't go wrong. Um, So we always have to play with these ingredients uh, uh, and and make it work. So that's always a challenge every time.
0: Thanks. Christina?
2: Um, So one of my biggest fears, especially when I'm really working on a project that I am passionate about, okay, my biggest worry is who is this project going to end up with? being the evaluators, of course. And if That's they will important. understand, if they will understand what this project is all about, okay? Because many times we are really a great team. We all align between us. We really want to develop this project. We have added all our inputs, everything. And you know, and it's also what Diana said before. It also it's also um a matter of where we apply. So why should the why should the project be uh, regarded as top or less than top depending on the country that we apply uh, so yes i mean in, when working with a project idea like that and we really want to have this project funded and the evaluators mm, will not get the idea this is where you know my biggest uh, challenge with the program lies yeah
0: i think uh thanks um i th- did I consider also that that must be frustrating to work with? But I think what I always come down to in these talks that I have with people on preparing and how to, it always ends up with well, first of all, focus on what's the evaluation criteria, and two, the first two pages you can win a proposal by the first two pages. So, what you said earlier and about really, you know, like that's that's how you get those first two pages about it's like, that's i get it from, now i've been doing this for more than a year and the uh, evaluators or have been uh, related to various they all say the same you can catch us on the first two pages and then if you catch our heart in the beginning then we are willing because it's psychology <laughs> if you like it then you see you you can ah, okay it, ah, it, it's okay he he is, he is a five. It's fine, you know, because this they they I want to see this through. Um, how is that with you, la Are you that kind of evaluator? <laughs> no, actually, actually, I I am
3: happy. I have seen so many bad proposals. I'm happy when I see some two pa- first two pages and they're really good. And then I get twice as disappointed when it gets worse as I read along. <laughs> and by the end of it nothing works anymore or or you see that there has been a lot of time invested into the first two pages and then somehow they run out of time and uh, and it shows very badly um or the budget
0: i must say the other evaluation, evaluation they something. didn't they they didn't say that you should you know like not concentrate also <laughs> but at least you know like you know how it is you know sometimes when you get back an evaluation summary report you think but what? <laughs> are they lowering my grade because I haven't adjusted the communication uh, labels? Here? What? Why? What? It it looks like they just had to find something, you know? Because uh, um, so. But if you make so so, if those two pages are right, and that you've done your proper job with the uh, in the strong collaboration uh, uh, competition you have. So the, the, the last 95% is solid, but the two first pages, that just makes all the firewood blow off.
3: I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's more complex than that. And I think uh, when we talk about cooperation partnerships, it's different with every agency. I it for two agencies. And they all have different methods. They all have different types of experts. And sometimes the issue is that they're very um, their expertise is sector-specific, but not topic-specific. So they don't know exactly, anything. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, yes. But they know nothing about prisons or other areas. So they don't understand the need or the necessity of a, of a certain this topic. Is, exactly. This okay. is why I said you don't know where
2: your project or who the project is going to end up yes, with, yes. right? Yes. If
3: it's somebody who doesn't has no interest for prisons, then you know. Uh, that's uh, an issue maybe i mean you never know it's it's really like uh it's like a lottery it's like, it's like a lottery diana yeah this is what i wanted
1: to say as being a person that besides being a generalist i write niche project very niche project yeah, in the yeah, criminal yeah. correctional justice dealing with topics that are difficult to understand At the average citizen, yes, I would recommend if you have a really niche topic, go to a centralized proposal rather than a decentralized one, because you have a better chance of maybe getting an evaluator that is a bit more accustomed to niche things and go outside of dg eac or dg employment because there are other dgs that also have funding lines and let's spread out a bit especially if we go to the niche topics but the one thing i wanted to say to all the colleagues that are starting a journey please don't write such a perfect project that no one is able to implement because uh yes. it, it it's not all about getting the grant okay yes it is about getting the grant but then mm-hmm. you write such an alternative reality that the partners are going to kill themselves in implementation <laughs> <laughs> so no don't write that proposal <laughs> <laughs> that that's that what i want
2: We discussed this with Nils in the other podcast about the indicators that, you know, there are projects that really overestimate their their indicators just to make a wow effect. And And in reality... It's not about overestimation.
1: It's also knowing the territory because I suffered at implementing projects in prison where the coordinator said, please, buy some tablets, go through the gate with the tablets and deliver some super augmented reality proposal. And I was, in what parallel universe do you want me to do that? Has anyone checked legislation? Has anyone checked Who evaluated this and said that this is possible? So this is why I'm saying downside, go to planet Earth, go to reality, because there are so many needs in the concrete reality that we don't need to create alternative parallel universes of fantasy and waste money in those places because the hardcore reality is so much more
0: interesting. On uh, on that note, uh, I think we uh, we need to round it up. Um, now, uh, first uh, we will have a chance to say goodbye to the dear listeners. You all know the drill. I will land the plane, and, uh, and then we will say goodbye. So, uh, dear listeners, I I really, really, truly hope that you enjoyed this session. <clears throat> it took me a while, but I prepared it especially for you guys out there, Erasmus, Erasmus segment gathering three very, very strong people uh, in to give you feedback, to give you thoughts, uh, to reflect on how to develop the proposal that you eventually will do. So I hope that this is something you can really use out there. As you know, if you're first timers, you can go to uh, you can go to my my website, thegrant.eu. There's quite a quite a large back catalog now also on Erasmus specifically there's also generic episodes on how to prepare proposals that's for Horizon Europe but there are also elements there that you can use with when you need to look for partners and so on and so forth uh, so do that the grand.eu. there you will also find the the, the submission uh, of uh, sorry the subscription form to uh, to join the email list of the grant uh, this is the way if you have a sympathy with what I'm doing here please by all means do subscribe to that uh, that helps me in my end connect with me on LinkedIn that's where the that's where the fun happens <laughs> that's that where is is where the thing goes on this is where I share my things this is where I share other people's stuff also the three ladies that are in here today um they know very well that i try to do my best to follow them and and like their stuff bring it on to my to my uh, to my to my followers i always i always wonder (laughs) if i if i managed to land the play but i think that's it don't have any more to say it's been a very nice recording thank you so much all three of you i hope you uh, you that you enjoyed being with me today Um, so um, you can all open your microphones and then let's say uh, goodbye to the dear listeners (laughs)
2: thank you very much bye thank you bye